welcome to another episode of the Ismono podcast. This podcast was actually recorded in June 2020 and was in the early stages of me trying to figure out how to properly record the podcast remotely. So please excuse the audio quality. My guest was Tom, the founder of Packhacker. We talked about nitpicks, brands we look forward to and more. Yeah, enjoy. Hello everyone, it's time for another Patreon-only podcast and I'm very honored to have my third guest here on this podcast and this time I'm talking to Tom from Packhacker. Hey Bo, thanks for having me. Thank you very much for joining me. Before we start, I'm pretty sure that most of my viewers know you, but maybe you can give everyone who doesn't know you a quick introduction to yourself yeah sounds great so i'm i'm tom i work on pack hacker we have a youtube channel where we do reviews on travel gear and we're starting to get a little bit more into everyday gear as well and we have a big website as well for with content focused around uh, travel uh, and gear and things like that so bo and i have been kind of chatting back and forth over the last <laughs> couple years uh, with our channels on YouTube and it, it's been super exciting. So happy yeah. to be on another conversation because we had one, what was it, like a year ago? Yeah, two years? I think two years ago. I mean, how, I mean, we know each other probably since since we both had like 10,000 subscribers. So really from <laughs> yeah. the beginning. And it's crazy to see how much the whole back community has grown. It's It's incredible. Absolutely, yeah. And you so are almost have... at 100k, which is also so awesome. <laughs> I mean, we're we're getting really, really close. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, growth has been quite stifled with uh, the current situation with with COVID. But um, of course, yeah. we're hoping to get there soon. And it's it's been awesome just to keep getting people's support through this weird time. Like we were just talking a little bit before this. Um, it's just so great to have you know, an awesome community of people that are supportive and, and, and want to watch our content at, at a time like this. So yeah, definitely. we're definitely blessed in that regard. I agree with you. So what we have planned is basically the same that we planned with the talk with Jet from Perfect Pack. I have prepared three to four questions and Tom has also prepared a couple of questions. And mm. I would say, since you are my guest, I will let you talk first and give you my okay. very first question. And it's the same question that I also gave to Jet, but I think it's a really cool question for us back enthusiasts, which is three no-go features in a backpack bag or carry-on bag? Three no-go features. That's a good question. Yes, so one small nitpick I see time and time again on bags is when the the sternum strap isn't properly attached. Yeah. So some of the times it'll be like a really nice Duraflex buckle and it's just solidly attached. Mm -hmm. Other times it's on that kind of track rail thing. I don't know exactly what that's called, but it's like a little plastic yeah, coil. Well, yeah. And sometimes it's just, I, like we had an, the Evergood CPL24, which is an amazing pack. Mm. So we had V1. Um, and I think they just recently, I don't know when this podcast is going to go up, but they just recently worked on V2. Um, but I don't know if we got like a sample from them or what, but like the end of the sternum strap was just like kind of like supposed to be positioned through this really thin 
uh, Molly webbing and mm-hmm. we almost lost it like three times in testing. I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a sample, but, and I think they improved it a little bit on V2. There's like, they've got a little bit of a clip there now, mm-hmm. uh, but there are a couple other bags like that that do that too. And yeah. they come out and, you know, I think we even both brought it up on the Heim Planet yeah. transit line. I was line. just about to say that. That was actually something that I also noticed. And I think I lost my sternum strap on one of the yeah. planets. Yeah. And I think that was great because they were still like, we both had pre-production samples mm. and uh, they were able to correct that. So it was like around the curve of the strap, there wasn't quite enough space for yeah, like, exactly. like what did, how would you describe that? It's like a little it's, it, like, like a T little bar? T. Yeah, it's like a little T and just like a loop made out of, I think it was Hyperlon, right? I think Hyperlon. Yes. And although Hyperlon isn't that stretchy, it's still this T-shaped thing fiddled itself out of the Hyperlon loop. And it's a very good looking way to attach a sternum strap. But in terms of functionality, it was, yeah, a little bit lackluster. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's that's your first no-go. Number one, number one no-go. Number two, I think for me personally, and I'm this might be a biased thing, and I don't know if you feel the same way, Bo, but just like too much integrated organization inside of yeah, a I'm bag. Yeah, I'm the same. Definitely, I'm the yeah. same. Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone. But like, I, I, I thought it was maybe because I'm always using pouches. So we, anyone on my team or me, we review a new bag every mm. two weeks typically at a minimum. So we're always switching in and out of bags. And I find it's just super easy to switch my pouches in and out. Agreed. But yeah. if it has a lot of internal organization, I will try to use it to give it a good test because we're always trying to test all the features as they are. But me personally, I love pouches, but it's like some of the times I get into that internal organization and like I've got an anchor battery bank, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a million different battery banks and you put that in one slot and that like, you know, one battery bank will be very loose in there one won't fit and sometimes it's like it's easier if you just find your pouch system that works Mm -hmm. because it seems a little less limited uh, than than buying a you know a backpack that's going to be able to automatically fit every single accessory in the internal organization that that you have and that you want i wonder if that is something that is only our issue because we change so many bags that often, or if we wouldn't be reviewers if we would just use internal organization. I remember when I first bought my very first proper backpack, which was the 511 Rush 12, which has this really intricate, the admin pouch in the front, that's what they call it. That has so many slots. And I remember even then, before I started switching bags that often and before going into using pouches, I still didn't use all of that organization, to be quite honest. So I'm, I totally get you. Too much organization can be a bit overwhelming. Yeah, I think for us, it's probably a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like our dissatisfaction with those type of bags has probably led us to be reviewers in yeah, the first probably. place. Yeah, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I would also imagine that pretty much everyone listening to this podcast has run into that before. And I think, you know, that's why it's kind of like this never ending quest to find the perfect bag. Cause yeah. like, you're like, oh, everything I have fits so perfectly, like, except for my battery bank. Yeah. And then it's like, well, do I get a new battery bank now? <laughs> do I wait until version two comes? You know, I'm just like, and, and I think, yeah, it's, it's probably a common problem for a lot of people, yeah. but uh, for us, it's probably more pronounced. True. All right, so sternum strap, too much organization, and what's the third? I think for me, it's, for, and again, this is maybe a me personal thing with my use case, but like the stand-up ability 
oh, of yeah. a bag, I would say. And it, yeah, I think a, a lot of people ask and they want to know whether a bag stands up on its own. You know, like take something like the Yeti Takayo that comes to mind. That bag is just like a brick. Like mm. whether it's empty, whether it's full, you can set it down, it'll stand up. Yeah. The Bellroy Tote we just reviewed too does that. I just noticed the other week. And a completely different example, the North Face Access Pack. That one didn't stand up on its own at all. Oh my gosh, yeah. This turtle shell that has the curve at the bottom. Oh, yeah. You remember that one which had this clasp and then it opened up like a turtle shell? That one didn't stand <laughs> up on its own. I, I never understood how you are supposed to load that bag when it always falls over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think, too, like, it, it does depend on the bag. Like, again, with Evergoods, just because they're top of mind because they just released V2. Like, the MPL30, right? Yeah. It, it's, like, very angled and curved in the back. Exactly. And it's not even meant. It's not even meant to stand up on its own, which is, like, fine. But, like, for my use case, I'm typically working remotely. I'm heading in, you know, somewhere to work with someone or a coffee shop meeting. And then if I've got, you know, if the bag like, and I say stand up ability, because if I can like lean the bag against the table leg too, and have it like stand up on its own and not be like in the middle of the coffee of shop course. floor where people are tripping on, like, I'm fine with that too. It doesn't have to stand up on its own. Makes but like, sense, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, and, and it totally depends on the kind of bag, right? Like, mm. of course, like the Evergoods MPL 30 that you're going to be hiking with. Yeah. Uh, is, is not designed to do that. So, yeah, yeah, true. But yeah, a little, little pet peeve. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, all of those three points are something that I would also nitpick about, definitely. Yeah, thanks for answering that question. Yeah, so that was the three questions from you, right? <laughs> you got three in one there, Bo. <laughs> Damn, okay. So. <laughs> so what's your first question? Yes, I will start off with one that I'm very curious of. Okay. What are some brands that you always get excited about when they release new gear? Good question. Difficult question. I think just from the top of my head, I would say that I find Black Amber very interesting because mm. no matter if you like their very bold design, I feel like they are very creative in yeah. what they're doing. So that is why I'm really looking forward to see what they are coming out next. And I've just seen sure. on their Instagram that they are teasing a new bag and I'm looking forward to see what they are coming up with. The next company that I also like to look forward to is Heimplanet. Oh yeah. Which has one biased reason because they are from Hamburg. That's why I'm like <laughs> rooting for my home team basically. Yeah, yeah, of course. But also because I really like their approach to fabrics and how they want to make like sustainability stuff without yeah. compromising the design. I feel like so many fair trade, fair use, sustainable companies do you always see that item be it like coffee fair trade coffee you always see like okay yeah I, I i totally understand that the money has to go into into all the aspects of sustainability but can't you like make it look a little bit more appealing <laughs> and the same yeah, goes totally. with clothing like companies like h&m they have like this new sustainable uh, cotton 
And yeah, sure. it, it is the right step in the right direction, but why does it have to look that boring? I feel like there's not enough being done to make it more attractive to the mainstream. And I feel like yeah. with Heimplanet, they have this Daiko shell, which is really well made and has a good philosophy with it. And feeling that material and looking at it, it looks, it feels great compared to like Kodura and stuff like that. Oh yeah, it feels good in the hand. That is why I really like to see what they're doing. I wasn't that big of a fan of the roll top from their transit line. Yep. That's a bag that I personally didn't find that attractive to me. But the rest of the transit line was really cool. And I'm looking forward to see what they will do next. And yeah, a third company. Well, that's difficult. You, you ask for three companies or any amount of companies any amount okay then any amount so you can stop at two but i think the viewers are going to comment <laughs> on patreon and be like oh give us the third uh, <laughs> the third oh yeah i'm that's more wishful thinking rather than something that i'm really looking forward to i would wish that Gorak would get creative that would be my wish for the future. I really love the Gorok series. I love the GR1 21 liter that I have that started this channel. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of emotions for that brand. But I feel like they are at a standstill in terms of designs. Sure. And therefore my wishful thinking and a company that I'm looking forward to making something new would be Gorok. Yeah. I want a GR1 made out of X-Pack with orange interior. That's what I want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would That'd be, be dope. awesome. Something That'd like that. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, as a fellow, it's weird that GORUCK started both of our channels because the GR2 kind of mm. started mine. I think that's um, such an incredible story. I would love to see <laughs> if maybe you have enough footage. Could you make like a short, like 10 minutes roundup documentary about your life on the road? That would be awesome. I would love to see oh, something yeah. like that. That's a good idea. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to see who else would be interested in that. I mean, I mean we, we have like a core group of fans uh, that probably would, but yeah, I, I don't know. You I'd should be do that. Maybe. I mean, just yeah. in one of our past conversations, you talked about how you like tested all of the stuff before you packed everything and then you packed it and then how you traveled. That would be awesome. I would love to see that. Yeah, I feel like that, that's a good idea. I mean, I have it all on Medium and that's what originally started Pack Hacker yeah. was just like this Medium article. And like, just to give more context to Bo and I's conversation, I traveled for about two years in a 40 liter GR2. So that was like my house. I mean, it's pretty impossible <laughs> not to get somewhat emotionally attached to of a bag course. when you're living in and out of it. And that thing is on my wall. I mean, it still looks great. Like, yeah. Gorok just makes some durable, great stuff. I think, yeah, a video that would be cool. But yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I tried like the four months that uh, I took while like gearing up for my trip. I lived out of this bag, basically. And I was constantly flipping in new stuff. And I would just use, even at home at my apartment, I would just use everything I had inside of that bag. Granted, I was downsizing from like a really small New York City room. Mm. So it was like, I wasn't like living in, you know, suburban America with a massive house and all this furniture. So the downsizing into the 40 liters was like probably the easiest it could have been for <laughs> someone with very little possessions already. But like, I remember buying like, you know, a bunch of bags and be like, okay, I like the Goruck. I bought like 10 of like every single little product looking for the smallest and the lightest weight and the one that I liked the best and what I thought to be the most durable. Cause I was like, I'm going to be on the road. I know I can buy stuff there, but I'd rather invest in just a couple of 
high quality items, you know, that I can continue to use while I'm traveling that won't break on the road. Because I mean, this is it. It's in the 40 liter bag. If, yeah. if it's not in there, then I'm, I'm not carrying it. And then, yeah, I think too, like with GORUCK specifically, I mean, they just, they kind of just have a solid product down and it is a bummer they don't innovate. But I think recently with COVID, like there was this, um, Jason McCarthy, the founder of GORUCK had a post on Reddit the other week he was kind of talking about the future of GORUCK that I thought was really interesting. Okay. Um, I, I think they're getting rid of their, their bullets, the 10 and the 15 liter. Oh, those run closeouts. That's a shame. Yeah, and he said they were going to kind of like reduce the inventory of bags, I believe. I mean, go read the post. I'm just mm. kind of paraphrasing here. But um, I do know that their personal fitness sales are up like two or 300% when wow. people have been in lockdown, which okay. is crazy. And I think... That's kind of where he's like, yeah, we're going to keep focusing on this a little bit more. So I, I don't know if we'll see the X-Pack with the mm -hmm. orange interior. I sure hope we do. But I think they're going to be more focused on that kind of personal training moving forward. If I were to guess, I mean, we'll yeah. see. COVID makes everything so unpredictable, but uh, time will tell. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> cool. Well, that, that was quite the tangent. Off, of, off the brand question. but Yeah, uh, <laughs> but still, I, I think, honestly, you should talk about that story because I, I think yeah. it's really interesting and an incredible story that you lift out of the bag for such a long time. Not only living, but you're also working, right? Yeah, it was real. I mean, I it was great because I was working at Apple before and then I quit that and joined uh, a really small startup at the time called The Infatuation. Mm -hmm. And they do restaurant reviews. They just purchased, well, just meaning like a year ago, they purchased the uh, the review platform Zagat from Google. Okay. So they've really had some like incredible growth, but it was awesome because I was working with a small team. I was their creative director. I was working remotely and uh, it was just such a great setup and I'm super grateful to them for giving me that opportunity That's and awesome. they got some great work too but yeah I was kind of on that trip and I was like hey like let me let me write this medium post see what people think of the gear I'm carrying with me and it ended up getting pretty popular and then I was like oh well this is great like maybe this is a company so That's awesome <laughs> you know I started from there and uh, yeah I've been going ever since so yeah, it's been about three years now I think you should think about making a small little video about that that's a good idea cool. yeah Maybe I will. And speaking, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, my next question goes a little bit into that. And yeah, you said that you were traveling with one bag, which was the GR2. So my question to you is, as you have tested so many bags and we both, we can't deny it, we are getting older. Has your preference <laughs> in traveling with one bag changed a little bit over time? We are not that old, but still, has your <laughs> mindset changed in regards to a rolling case a little bit? We both are backpack persons but do you think at some point yeah. that will all change that you only travel with one bag well i mean it's kind of funny i go to an airport in the u.s and the majority of people have rolling luggage exactly like an overwhelming majority and for me personally i think on my backpack journey as i'm sure a lot of us are on it's been all about carrying less and less yeah, stuff so <laughs> I mean, for two years for me in a, in a 40 liter, I think that's pretty good. I maybe could have had less. I, there are some people that are like, yeah, I, I travel the world perpetually in a Synapse 19. Like there's this guy, I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, Tynan. No. I, I mean, that, that guy travels with, he's a software developer. And I think he like owns an island with a couple of friends. What? <laughs> and he travels. <laughs> yeah, he's just, 
He's got this like very awesome lifestyle, and uh, I think he travels with like a very very small bag, like a 19 liter bag or something. Oh, wow! And that's just what he does, and he's very 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 minimal. I think for me, I like maybe a little more than that. But you know, I had a I was planning on going to a, a bachelor party in Las Vegas, which isn't really my scene. But um, one of my best friends is getting married, so yeah. I'm going to do whatever he wants. <laughs> and uh, COVID, COVID kind of messed up those plans. But I was originally thinking about just like going over there for the weekend in a 10-liter bullet because oh, we have awesome. one. And uh, I, I just really love that. Like I, I did a meeting in New York, let's say six months ago, and I just brought the Mission Workshop Spar. Okay. It's just for a day. And that is a really small sling. Like it's not supposed to accept a 15-inch MacBook Pro, but I kind of made it accept a 15-inch oh, MacBook awesome. Pro. Um, and then I had like my DOF kit in there and my dongles and cables. I had like a, a little, like, I think a new shirt or something like that. And like, I loved the feeling of that. That's great. Cause like, you still don't have to wait to get a bag on the carousel and you just take this really small sling with you and everything you have is inside. So I'm, I'm kind of like doing that. It's like these little packing challenges mm-hmm. I kind of give myself for these shorter trips. And uh, who knows, like maybe if I was doing a year again, I could get into like a 30 liter bag or something. Um, as for rolling luggage, I think a lot of that for me depends on weight, especially as I'm getting older. Like a 40 liter GR2 fully loaded up, including like camera equipment is pretty dang yeah. heavy. And uh, at some point I think roller luggage is just a much better option for that. Mm-hmm. You also don't run into that problem where you're like knocking people in the face when you're of like course. twisting around. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which is nice. Especially yeah, in the so subway or radius. something. Exactly. What about you? I mean, I know you did this, I think this Carl Frederick roller. So yeah. that's got to be, I don't know if that was a recent Patreon video or I don't know when you did that, but I saw it in your Patreon. So I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts as well. Because as like bag reviewers, it's an interesting question. Yeah, definitely. I think I get the point of rolling cases and I think they're really useful. And especially when you're like business traveling yeah. and you have to carry a laptop or maybe camera gear and stuff like that so that's a lot of heavy stuff and i always envy people that don't have to carry like 12 to 15 kilograms of weight on their back <laughs> right yeah I'm, I'm i'm a little bit torn i'm on the same page as you are to some degree i prefer backpacks or not to some i prefer backpacks but to some degree i wonder if i move to a rolling case at some point and yeah i, I reviewed or no i made an unboxing about the carl friedrich and okay. that's an interesting it's this james bond looking case yeah it's interesting i'm just like you i'm not 100 percent sure when or if i will switch to a rolling case but what i can say is that the older i personally get and the more confident in my own style let's say it that way the more confident i become the less important it is to go to a business meeting or go to work and change to different outfits you know so that is right why i can right. pack less I remember when I started as a freelancer, I was like, okay, I'm going to this client in Berlin. I have to travel there. So I have to change my outfit and my shoes. We all know like packing shoes is like the most difficult Gosh. thing ever. So I have to pack like as a two, at least two pair. Then this outfit <laughs> and then another sweater and stuff like that. And then you have like two bags just to go to a three-day business trip. <laughs> you know? right. So nowadays it's more easy it's like okay i just changed the sweater but wear the same jeans and the same same shoes 
So <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, it totally depends on like your context for travel. My cousin's mm -hmm. in sales, and the culture there that he has with his colleagues and with his clients is like he like doesn't want to be caught dead wearing the same outfit two days yeah, in a row. Dress shoes. So right. for like a three day trip, yeah, yeah, dress shoes, shoes like shirt pants i mean like maybe he even changes twice a day but th that's the use case where it's like if he's going on a three-day trip he's got to bring a big bag i think at one point he was actually looking at this like stitch golf duffel bag <laughs> that like unrolls into like it's a duffel bag but it unrolls into like this wardrobe garment yeah, thing that, that looked it looked yeah. kind of cool but so he's got that for a three-day trip and he's got all his outfits mm. in there and like everything is meticulously laid out like you know wrinkle-free yeah. shirts He's ready to go. He's looking fresh. And meanwhile, for me and yep. you, I mean, we're both creatives. Yep. Before Pack Hacker, I and I still do it now as a designer and a front end developer. People don't care no. what we wear. At least for me, they're like they expect me to wear yeah. a black T-shirt as a designer. And uh, we can kind of lean into that a little bit more than than some other people. So, of course, the lifestyle is more applicable. Definitely, what you pack equates to the lifestyle yeah. you have, I guess. So yeah, thanks for answering that question. <laughs> So what's your second question then? My second is, it's a little more focused on YouTube. Okay. It's outside of bags, so that's I hope that's totally okay fine. with everyone. I mean, we're making mm -hmm. YouTube videos all the time. We used to make one per week. Now with COVID, we're down to about one every two weeks. But I get super curious to know how other YouTubers, like what their process and mm -hmm. timelines are. Because I think for you and I, oftentimes we're testing bags. I know we test bags for two weeks. I don't know exactly how long you Same. test yours. At least two weeks, yeah. Definitely. Okay. So I'm really curious to like hear your process from like front mm -hmm. to back. How does that work? And I'm kind of piggybacking off your Patreon mm -hmm. only podcast that you did about like how to yeah, start yeah. a YouTube channel. So I'd be curious to know like your process for creating videos, how long they take and kind of like what the mm. steps are for you. Yeah, as mentioned, at least two weeks I test the bag. And in those two weeks, outside of uh, COVID where we were able to go places, I always carried the camera. So once I find something in particular mm. that I like or dislike, I was able to just take the camera out and film that specific point that I want to mention in the review. And I start picking my notes or taking notes about all of the positives negatives within that uh, review period. Then I start scripting with those notes that I have and scripting for me takes about, I would say two hours to three hours or something. Yeah, that's, that's the exact yeah. same time for me for scripting. And it gets definitely more easier because in the beginning it was really about, uh, I wanted to make all of the sentence, especially as English is my second language, I wanted to make all of the sentence really correct and proper and tell everything in a very compact, precise way and the more I get comfortable in front of the camera the less I care about how I structure the sentence so sure sometimes the sentences get a little bit more complicated than they need to be but that makes scripting a little bit easier because I script the way that I talk and or the way I talk and the way I script now have met in the middle so it's not that complicated anymore in the past I have 
needed a little bit more time to script it. Sure. Now it's like two to three hours. Because I am a one-man show, for me, filming and scripting or knowing which pictures I want to shoot is a little bit more easier because I, while I'm scripting, I already know what I want to shoot and I already know which of the lines are A-roll, so which lines I have to memorize when I'm in front of the camera. Okay. And the shooting of the B-roll is rather quickly when I don't have to move places that much. So if I'm shooting like just at home, obviously I don't have to calculate in the time that I need to get from place A to place B and stuff like that. Sure. But I would yep. say B-roll takes about, yeah, maybe half a day. Then recording okay. A-roll, that's a little bit longer or used to be a little bit longer because I had to memorize all of that stuff. And sure. yeah, I would say shooting overall, everything is like a day or something. A day, okay. Yeah, maybe. Yep. And including B-roll. Yeah, including B-roll. Because as okay. mentioned, I already know what I want to shoot. And I already think about when I'm scripting how I want to shoot everything. And editing, therefore, because I already know what I wanted to shoot and what I have shot, it's easier for me to edit all of that stuff together. So editing for me usually only takes like also like two hours or something. Oh, wow. That's yeah. great. Yeah, because I already yeah. know, okay, that shot is in that part of the text. And after I script, and because I know what I want to film, I always shoot chronologically or mm -hmm. from that script. So I basically could just take all of the clips, put that into a timeline, put the voiceover oh, underneath, yeah. and then just cut the front and the end of it. Usually it's that easy for me because I'm a single person. Obviously, if someone else would have shot that video for me, the editing would take much longer. Sure. Yeah, that internal kind of... Yeah. Exactly. You know, schedule constantly yeah, definitely, going. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Laid out. Yep. So that's the benefit of working alone. Obviously, you have to do everything alone, but everything is already made in your head. Yep. So that's actually pretty easy. And then I have to do all the post-production work, which is grading, sound mixing. Without the render time, I would say I have my presets, so that's actually quite fast, but still it takes like an hour or something. I mean, you sure. ha also have to remember my videos are much shorter than your videos, I think. My videos are usually about eight minutes long. And I think yours okay. are like around 15 minutes or something, right? Yeah, I'd say like 10 to 15. Yeah. We're, I feel like we're always trying to get them shorter, like, but there's just, uh, we want to cover every detail yeah, too. Of, that's of kind course. of our thing. So, so you're, that, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, um, I was going to say, like, what are we at right now in terms of hours? It's like 25-ish, maybe? Oh, you mean just in terms of work hours, right? Yeah. Filming, let's say, a day, which to me means like 10 hours or less, let's mm -hmm. say. Less. To make it easier to calculate 10 hours, then two hours scripting, so 12. Yeah. Two hours to three hours, let's say three hours editing, 15 hours post-production one to two hours so 17 rendering that's what takes uh, the longest oh finding music <laughs> finding music that takes a lot of time oh yeah 
And you use epidemic, yeah. right? Yeah. I think I heard. Okay, yeah. got it. Uh, making a thumbnail, that also comes to play. Finding right. keywords. So yeah, 24 hours makes sense, yeah. Bo works hard for on videos, so now we know how long it takes. <laughs> That's that's faster than us, but yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. How, I mean, how long do you need usually? I'd say, well, we, we do written reviews and photos with everything too, and that's about forty hours. So mm. I would say I would say our videos take about thirty, mm. and we do have that handoff too. I think that yeah. makes things a lot because it's like me, someone else might script, I might script, I'll do the A roll, mm. and then you know, markets the B roll, Nathan might do the edit, and it's kind of like. Yeah. Everyone kind of touches it. So we've just, we've really focused on our process, but it's so interesting to hear. And I think it's good for people to know too, because you put a lot of effort into your videos and we do too. And like, it's great that people watch them and then yeah. they can know like how hard of uh, work you put into the production side of things. I think what's really important to know is that's something a client of me once asked me. He watched a lot of Casey Neistat, the vlogs. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. my client asked, hey, why does a commercial take so long? Why do you need that much time? I watch Casey Neistat all the time. He makes a video in a single day. And I'm like, there are a couple of factors. First of all, he doesn't have a client who's always nagging and wants something. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and the second thing is he works alone. He had that whole day basically in his head. He knew exactly what he was doing. So editing was yeah. much easier for him. And it's easier when you already know everything and no one is like asking you. When I'm on a commercial editing process, I have the agency. Usually they are like at least two to three people. So the copywriter, the creative director, then you have the director himself, then you have a film yeah. producer, and then the client, obviously. So you have like five to however many people who want you to make their visions a reality. And then finding the balance between all of those wants and needs of those persons yep. takes such a long time. And then you have, to, you get the footage from a cameraman, a DOP, who filmed all that stuff. You haven't seen that stuff before, so you have to figure out how to put that stuff together. And I'm pretty sure that's the same with your team. You know what you scripted, then you filmed the A-roll, then probably give that back to Nathan in the UK, maybe. Yeah. That takes some time, then he shoots the B-roll, then potentially someone else has to edit it because maybe Nathan doesn't have the time to edit it, right? And yeah. then you have to communicate, oh, that's a nice shot. Where did you think that would go? And that you have to figure that out. And because I work myself, I know exactly, oh, I shot that. I know exactly where to put that inside the script. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, it's, it's a little more effort. I think the benefit we have over, like, client work is that we're kind of shooting, like, very similar material every week. So mm. it's not like, this is a car commercial. Okay, well, like, what lens do we need to use for a car? Like, you know, exactly. how does the grading need to be to properly, you know, represent the paint color or yeah. whatever? So it's like... We, it's a little more like churn it out than full-fledged commercials. But yeah, we definitely run into all that. And yeah. I think I'm like constantly tweaking our process and looking for, you know, little bits of inspiration for production on that end. So it's really interesting to hear. And I think you and I were talking too. We had a previous conversation. But should we let people in on the secret of where the best ideas come from? It's while you're in the shower. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the best sentences or the best wording comes when I'm in the shower or... <laughs> One minute before I fall asleep in the bed. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's when your brain wants to script is when you're falling right yeah, asleep. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Best ideas. 
So yeah, did that I was answer, great. Did I answer your question? Super thorough. All Absolutely. Right. So I have going back to packing. Mm. What are some essential items for you that you always pack when you are traveling? You know, I asked Jet about essential items in his everyday carry backpack but i think you'll have probably a couple of items that are essential for you when you're traveling obviously we can't travel at the moment but usually what do you usually pack maybe two or three items i can hit you with three because we do like <laughs> these trusty three on our blog for a while so. okay oh, man i might not answer the same because it's constantly changing but i'll try <laughs> that was an awesome podcast with jed by the way that oh, was really cool you. he's awesome by the way maybe we should do a podcast with all of us three that'd be fun yeah i've been seeing people doing like these hangouts yeah like i follow a lot of djs yeah. online and they'll do Since they can't play out anymore, they'll do like a hangout and I'll have like, you know, four people on video. There's also this camera YouTube channel that does it too, but that'd be super fun. Yeah, like me and that. Jed and grab someone else and that just have a conversation. Awesome. Sign me up for that, man. Yeah, cool. I'm down. Yeah, I've talked to Jed a little bit too. Not not too much. So I'd really love to, to chat with him more, but I, I'd really enjoy that podcast and I'll tie it into my first item because I know you guys were talking about the Queen's approved Kellogg cereal. <laughs> so one thing for me that I always like to travel with is uh, my spork and my chopsticks. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think one because i'm like lazy lazy meaning like if i get like to go food or something and i forget to grab plastic cutlery then i just have that with me in my bag already or if i get to an airbnb and they like don't yeah. have silverware which has happened before i have that so um, often <laughs> yeah definitely i know yeah. it's just like it's it's like seems like such a 101 thing for an airbnb but so i'm always good i got my utensils they're super lightweight they're small they're packable like i love the chopsticks they get really small mm -hmm. and they actually don't make those chopsticks anymore oh wow i know and like we get emails all the time people are like where do they make these and i've emailed the company i've been like hey can you guys keep making these and like i've never heard back i think the company is called like integral design or something okay but we've since uh, picked up these snow peak ones but they're just not as good in my opinion as mm -hmm. those ones we've used in the past but yeah i like to have that with you so yeah laziness is the first kind of reason <laughs> for that and then the second is sustainability yeah. like i think we use especially when you're traveling i mean not not to mention how bad air travel is for the environment but While you're traveling, while you're having a lifestyle on the go, it's just very easy to use mm. single-use water bottles or, you know, plastic cutlery or paper bags that you get food in. And I think a lot of the gear allows me to use less of that, too. Mm. So, like, the second item that I love, love, love taking with me is my Vapure one liter eclipse water bottle because it's so tiny mm -hmm. it gets so small when you're not using it but when you want to it's just like a one liter of of water but it's like a water bag i used to have one but my version tasted or smelled really badly like plastic i'm not sure if that was ah. just an isolated issue but does your vapor bottle smell like plastic i've been lucky Okay. But I've also heard another issue where some people have their caps leaked. Oh, okay. I've heard now a couple times, yeah. like we had Andre, somebody in our pro community brought this up the other day where he was like, I, I bought this water bottle, I loved it, but it started leaking within a okay. couple of days of using it, which is like the worst for yeah, a water bottle, especially definitely. if you're on the road. But yeah, in my four months of testing, right, all my gear before I went on my two year travel trip, I made sure that mine was good and I okay. never ran into that. It didn't taste like plastic to me, but okay. I, yeah. Was it, which one was it? Was it the Eclipse? I think it was the Vapor Eclipse. It was this dark green one with the orange. Oh, yeah. And that I tasted a little bit like plastic. I, I didn't like it that much. So I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah. So I 
assumed it was an isolated problem with my version, maybe I should try it again because I think it's really useful. Yeah, and I mean, maybe I'm just not noticing it too. Mm. You know, and I think that's what works for me might not work for you. And I think that's like, yep. you know, totally cool. That's why we're here, right? To like yeah, yeah, let definitely. people visually see as much stuff as possible before they decide to buy something yeah. online that they can't try. I would love to use a vapor bottle because I think I use those aluminum double-walled bottles that, that keep the temperature, yeah. be it warm or cold. But it's so big. It's really annoying mm -hmm. to carry around. Well, I think, too, another thing, too, and Bo and I are on video, so I just held up my Stanley <laughs> Go mug. I've been testing this one for about two months now, and for coffee and tea, it's been great. But mm. I also don't usually take a water bottle around with me that much like aj on our team our managing editor he's got a water bottle like every day and it's always full and he's mm. like one of those people that will fill it up all the way and i'll drink you know the whole thing throughout yep. the day and uh, for me like it's if i loved water as much as him i think i would use one of those bigger hydro flasks or mm. stanley's or yeti's more often but since with the vape here i just kind of use it when i'm traveling i just use it like when i don't have access to reusable cups or water glasses or if i'm getting on a plane especially yeah. a budget airline that doesn't serve anything For and even then it's like it's good to just reduce plastic yeah. use on the plane anyways but like you know it's it's like very much tailored to my use case as mm -hmm. well so that's i think that's one amazing thing about this gear is that you can like kind of dial everything in yeah. the way you want to to see it and yeah i think my third thing uh definitely in my roost stand yeah. and i should have started with that because especially like like i'm on my computer most of the day because that's where i do most of the pack hacker work and i do still do a little bit of freelance design work. Mm -hmm. So as I'm you know, constantly traveling around, going to different coffee shops, you have chairs of different heights, you have tables of different heights, you have wobbly tables. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the roost is really nice. It's a laptop stand. It gets really, really small. And then it uh, goes really high up when you kind of deploy it. And I remember even grabbing a couple of these. And uh, the, the roost... Actually, there's this like knockoff brand called Next Stand that's very, very similar, but that thing compresses just like a fraction of a larger size than the Roost. And I was like, I gotta go Roost just to save like a little tiny bit of space here. And but I actually think it's higher quality too, but I really love that laptop stand. It's great. I definitely need it. Considering that I always use an external keyboard, it would totally make sense to get one. And yeah. But yeah, I would, I would totally love to hear your thoughts yeah. if you try it out. I mean, that'd be great. Cool. Yeah. All right, those were the three essential items for traveling. Thank you very All right. much. So what's your next question then? My third question, I would love to know, and I run into this a lot, but how do you balance your personal preferences with being unbiased and giving people what they want to see right. while you're reviewing a product? That's a very good, but also very difficult question. I try to paraphrase one of my favorite tech YouTubers, which is uh, Marques Brownlee from MKBHD. He oh, reviews yeah. a lot great. of phones, computers, and all of these tech items. And he once said that, and this basically also holds true to film critiques, where at some point you basically create a bias for the items, the movies that you just like. And he said, 
so you watched me or you are subscribed to my channel and you watched me quite a long time which also means a little bit that you calibrated your likings of items to my liking therefore you know or can assume from watching my videos that i don't like these types of cameras or these types of phones sure. and stuff like that and i kind of feel the same with bags for me it's for instance clamshell opening backpacks basically mm. everyone on this channel already knows okay Bo likes clamshell <laughs> opening backpacks or he prefers that over top loading backpacks and sure. obviously that's to some degree a bias or a personal choice and therefore is moving into my reviews a little bit and then i always say like i personally prefer clamshell openings but this top loading bag is still a good fit because the interior is bright therefore i can see what's at mm -hmm. the bottom but yeah truth to be told i think every review has some bias or personal preference to it and there's definitely no denying that oh yeah and i think as long as you always try to balance it like i said with the clamshell opening as soon as i'm like in my verdict say hey i like clamshell opening backpack or i always prefer clamshell opening backpacks this is a top loader not my style but still it's good because this this and that i think then as reviewers we're good to go yeah but once people are knowing you as a reviewer or know your channel they get as i mentioned calibrated and as long as you always mention like okay that's usually my preference that's why i don't like this but this is still good because then i think everything is all right i i assume <laughs> I am, i'm not sure but at the moment people agree with this way i think yeah yeah and i think too like it's it's on kind of like the viewer to take that information and, and put it into their own filters, right? Like yeah. people are doing the research because they want to know about bags and they'll, they'll know whether or not that's an issue to them when they see it. Yeah. Furthermore, yeah. You, we also need to take into consideration that our needs and our circumstances are always different. So I yeah. review an item from the perspective of someone who lives in the northern part of Germany, so there's rain. Mm. I'm always on in the city, so I'm not walking long distances distances with a bag on my back. So I don't yeah. need to worry about like ventilation on the back panel or I'm not living in Jakarta during monsoon season. So I don't need to worry that much about heavy rain. <laughs> we have rain in Hamburg. Yeah. But that's something also to keep in mind, especially with bags. I think phones, for instance, are easier in that perspective because the needs are not very influenced by nature or by sure. your living arrangements, while bags are very strongly influenced by what you work and therefore what you pack, uh, where you live and how much ventilation you need or how much water protection you need. So that's something yeah. what makes all reviews a little bit less objective yeah. than they can be for all of these different needs. That's a super good point. I mean, it, yeah, like a, you probably, you might not care as much how a phone looks and there's, I think, less selection. It's more about the functionality, but like a bag is like, it's a fashion statement oh, every time you wear yeah, one. And I, definitely. you know, we probably have different styles and preferences. I know like I watch some Chase Reeves videos every now and yep. then, 
And uh, he's got a very like specific style that Definitely. he likes. Yep. And that's why bags are so interesting to review is because we can bring all these different perspectives in. I think for me too, like as I've grown Pack Hacker and gotten more people involved, listened to people's comments as mm-hmm. well as gotten more people on my team, like I can start to identify my personal biases a lot more yeah. and make other people aware of those when I can because it's like, I, like I was just talking earlier about AJ's and his water bottle. Like I could care less if a bag <laughs> has water bottle pockets on it, but I always like yeah. it's in the mental checklist to like mention it every time that I can, you know, but like I, I might, you know, I just, I just personally don't care because I don't really carry a water bottle around and like yeah. everybody's got their own unique style. And like, that's I think what makes bags really interesting to review. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's really good. Yeah, definitely. You're very welcome. Yeah. Yeah, that was three questions. But if you have anything more that you want to ask. I'll do a quick one. Yeah, sure. Um, and this is, again, this one's more about YouTube. But h- how do you deal with your critics on YouTube? Uh, do you pay attention to them or do you that's ignore them? I think that's a very good question, especially during these times where everyone is a little bit more on the edge. <laughs> and yeah. always online. I think it's really important if it's a negative feedback in regards to what I've done in the video or how I approached an item about how I reviewed and it's constructive feedback but negatively worded. I'm not taking offense mm. but usually if I find a negative comment I try to approach negative comments and negative feedback or offensive worded comments in a way that I assume that that person doesn't realize that that wording or the way that comment was phrased was offensive or could be taken in a wrong way. So usually when I get a comment like that and I assume that that person doesn't know that that comment is bad, then I usually ask, how did you mean that? Or I'm not sure if I understood that correctly. Can you please elaborate a little bit more? Which actually works in the real world as well. If someone like screams at you or is mad at you, I usually take the wind out of their sails and say like, oh, I didn't get that. Could you explain Mm. that to me? And that usually works. And most of the time people do not understand, especially sometimes when you comment and you don't say hey or don't use common polite phrases that you would usually do when that person is in front of you and you just write sure. then i try to approach that person hey i'm i'm not sure if you're aware but that was kind of offensive i'm not sure maybe you didn't mean it that way but it seemed a little bit off can you elaborate sure. a little bit usually people are like oh And then, oh, now that you say it, now I reread my sentence. Oh, yeah, you're right. That wasn't that polite. And I would say nine out of ten times people are like, oh, I forgot my caps lock. I didn't mean to scream at you. <laughs> or, <laughs> oh, yeah, now that you say it, yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't want to offend you or anything. And sure. most of the time, people are really understanding. And I think videos nowadays or YouTube in general give you the perception of being really close to that person. Sure. So you see all the vlogs, stuff like that, or behind the scenes, or... I mean, with the videos that we both of us do, you do it in your office, I do it at home, you... Basically, if you watch that person long enough, you get the feeling, okay, I know that person. So it's totally all right to talk that person like I would talk to a friend. 
And with friends, especially male friends, where we like to like pick at each other a little bit, or yeah, and say yeah, stupid, yeah, yeah. stupid kind of stuff. Kind rag on each other. Yeah, exactly. Say like stupid yeah. stuff, and it's usually totally okay <laughs> if you know that person long enough. But most right. of the people who watch vlogs, especially, think like, "Oh, I know that person," but totally forget that that person has never seen you. And then as soon as you yeah. talk to that person or comment, they don't realize that that might be a little bit unpolite. Right. Yeah. There's like a layer too of a keyboard exactly. next to you and the other person. Exactly. And I think it's like a little like, yeah. it's like impersonal, even though, you know, sometimes we can look at it more personally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to hear kind of how you think of it. I think I'm very much the same. Like, if there's like validity to that comment, like if it's like you have a stupid face or something mm. like that, I'm just like, okay, like, sure. But if there's like some validity to somebody's feedback, we, I read pretty much every comment. Mm. And I, I also think too, like as reviewers ourselves, like we're critics of other brands creations all mm. the time, you know? And, uh, I think it'd be wrong if like we didn't take any feedback from our audience. And I think we can build a better channel uh, through that feedback as well, getting that from people, um, even though it can be kind of hard, hard to read sometimes, mm. you know. But yeah, I, I definitely love when it's like, "Hey, love your channel. Just a heads up, you missed X, Y, and yeah. Z." That's you know, good like feedback. that. I, that is a great comment. Yeah, I'll always like respond to that. Or, and, and it just again, it makes me personally better as a reviewer because I have more people's like, oh, that person actually cared about that feature. Like, maybe I should bring that up in the next video. Like, I remember one time I had one video, a couple of videos really early on, and I was like chewing gum while I was doing them. Oh, and okay. people were like angry. Oh, really? Like, I had some people that were like, you are so rude. Like, <laughs> spit your gum out when you're making a video. And I'm like, no problem. Like, it's, it's not something that's adding to the video at yeah. all. And I never really thought of it. I just chew gum all the time. But like, and now I look back and I'm like, oh, duh, like that makes sense. Like yeah, yeah. who wants to watch somebody sit here chomping on gum? But uh, that, that's an instance where it's like a super easy change for me to make. It makes the content better. It makes it a little more professional. Mm. And, uh, you know, there was definitely like a wide variety yeah, of yeah. responses. Like, you know, anywhere from like, hey, love the review. Like, would you mind spitting out the gum? To like, you're so rude. I can't yeah. believe you're chewing gum. Like, this video is a waste of time, you know? It's just, like, it's so funny to see that spectrum on YouTube. Totally. Um, and I'm always so curious to hear totally. how other people kind of look at I it. I think it's also really important to see or to get a perspective on how much you can take stuff like that personal, right? Right. The way you approach this, oh, okay, you try to see it from the perspective of the other person. Exactly. That's with everything. With all of the arguments and discussions that we have in life, it's so important to just take a step back and try to get into the shoes of the other person and try to understand, oh, okay, that's why that person is angry at me. And that makes actually most of the the arguments that we have in life so much easier and yeah oh, as mentioned yeah. with comments it's very easy to get angry and frustrated at comments but if you approach it from a way okay a that person doesn't know you and b maybe that person had a bad day and c yes maybe that person didn't even notice that what he or she commented is a little bit off so when you then approach that person and make that person maybe reread that comment or rethink whatever that person said to you, usually most of the people, nine out of 10 times will say, oh, okay, yeah, now that you say it, you could understand it that way. And yeah, absolutely. it helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that, that answers my question. Like, thanks for letting me throw in a fourth. But, I hope that's okay for everyone. But by the way, <laughs> uh, speaking of comments, I mean, I read all, all of the comments as well, and I try to answer yeah. them. But I'm only halfway of the amount that you have. And right now, starting from 50K, which is, it sounds like such a first world problem now that I say it, but <laughs> there's so many comments coming in and I try to answer all of them, but sure. it gets actually really time intensive and difficult to answer all of those comments and also all of the DMs on Instagram. Oh my gosh, yeah. And how do you deal with that? I try to answer all of them, but now it, it, it gets really difficult for me as a single person. And uh, yeah. yeah, I also get a little, how do you call it in, in English? What is? Can you, you can give us the German word. I mean, there are some German words that are incredible that mean like a whole sentence in English. Schlechtes Gewissen. Okay. Guilty conscience. That's what I was looking oh, for. I get a guilty yeah, conscience yeah. if I don't answer all of the DMs and all of the comments. I mean, especially now that you are almost at 100k you must have so many comments do you actually manage from a time perspective to answer all of that and also yeah. i get emails yeah. as well sometimes i yeah. can't answer all of them how do you deal with that we're in the same boat i mean and i super lucky to have a, a team around me and and people that are helping out all the time and i i remember when i was doing it alone it was hard a couple things there so it's for us it's all about And this might turn into like a YouTube tip session. So just cut me <laughs> off <laughs> if I get too rambly. Because we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. And I think for us, it's like where we want to put our effort. Because on one hand, if we're answering, answering everyone, everybody's comments, which sometimes are already answered in other pieces of content we've already done, you know, we're doing a disservice to the greater audience because we're creating content slower. Yeah. So if we're really focused on answering every comment. And we also... When we decided to make Packhacker Pro, we wanted to make it a place where we could be more involved with yeah. people and chat with them on a, a closer level. Because I remember when we were in Porto with the whole team, we launched a pretty big video, our digital nomad packing list. That was like a big thing mm -hmm. we were working on for the month we were there. And I remember I, I was, we were still under that mindset of like, we have to answer every single comment yeah. on YouTube. Doesn't matter what it is, we answer it. And There were some nights in Porto where like the rest of the team would be in bed or it'd be just like Nathan and I up hanging out. He'd be editing a video. And uh, of course, we're drinking like delicious port because Porto. So that's like a bonus. But <laughs> I mean, you, I just remember sitting there for hours and just yeah. answering people's comments. And that was, I think, kind of a turning point for us of like, we just can't service everybody like super well. True. Uh, we can't answer everybody's comment. And, and we like to get really detailed in our content. And and our responses same with emails like i we have an onboarding email and i very clearly in there i'm like i read every email but like i might not answer it you know but i would love to hear what you, what you want to learn from us so we get a ton of responses i think most people are very understanding uh there are some people that are like super excited to even get a heart from a creator on youtube yeah. specifically And, uh, you know, there are other people that are like, hey, why don't you respond to me? Like, I spent all this time asking a question and, uh, you know, it, it's hard to keep up with. And uh, we're in the same boat. So we kind of have like a, a bit of an internal system that we've worked out about, like what we respond to, what we leave okay. there. And uh, sometimes we'll notice, too, when we don't respond to a YouTube comment, that gives the YouTube community 
more opportunity to have discussions with themselves. We get a ton of great comments. I think some of the best info can come from comments. Yes, definitely. In the comment section of a video, right? So I love that it's, as we've grown, as we've gotten larger, we've seen more of that community feel happen inside of YouTube. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, for us, it's, Probably the same boat you're in. I yeah. mean, you you might have to make that decision too. Like, if you just start, you know, treating your patrons who are listening to this podcast, yeah. you know, make sure to answer all of them in, in Discord and on on Patreon, yeah, and you know, maybe maybe you don't have to answer every single YouTube comment. I don't know really where your head's at with that, but I, I will say we've ran into the same challenges for yeah. sure. It it is hard, especially when you're like, should I make a new video or should I answer everybody's comments? You know. Yeah, it takes a lot of time to answer that. It really started around like 50k subscribers, where the the amount of comments and emails and direct messages, just the amount itself became really overwhelming. And personally, when I answer, I want to answer as as good as possible. So then there is an email that usually it's like, hey, this is the scenario. I want to travel like this and that. Uh, What bag could you recommend? And then I'm always like, Okay, then I start to invest time by uh, by asking, yeah. okay, I need to know exactly where you want to go, how high are you, what do you want to pack, what's your design choice? So that becomes like a conversation with like five or six emails. And uh, right. that takes so much time. The same as with on comments. That's also quite elaborate, but not that elaborate. But still, like every comment that asks that question um, or ask any question, maybe at least takes like four minutes. And if you like multiply that by, I don't know how many comments, that takes so much time. And yeah, then you start to get a guilty conscience. If you don't answer them, then, then somehow the universe knows, oh, okay, he has a guilty conscience. Let's throw in like a comment like that. And I'm like, yeah, Damn. yeah. <laughs> They just know. I yeah. mean, and I, I think one, one thing I'll say about your, you specifically and like your Patreon that I think might help as you continue to grow that is like instead of like you maybe feeling like you need to take on all that burden, I, I really like what, uh, what was happening in your Everyday Carry channel on your Discord. I just yeah. have it open right now. I'm looking at it. Yeah. I'm totally going to butcher his username, but Chengen Guan? Gaon? Let's see if I click. Uh, no name. Yeah. Anyways, if you pull that up, it's awesome. He 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 gave like a sketch of a yeah, dog yeah, kit yeah. that yeah, he wants. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. And then a uh, reactor fiend jumped in, yeah. and he was like, "The power packer kind of does what you're trying to do." And then I jumped in, and I was like, "How about the mystery ranch yeah. internal tool roll?" And reactor fiend was like, "I have that. Like, yeah, let yeah. me take a photo of it right now. Like, let me test it with my mouse." And I think that is like what I think that you and I need to be building towards is when you get this great community, whether it's on YouTube or on Patreon and people can help each other out. Like that's, that's where really the magic starts to happen because then that person also gets other perspectives from other people. And just like you and I have different perspectives on bags. I mean like everyone else does as well. And that's really, I think where the magic comes in is when everybody's kind of helping each other out and then you don't have to shoulder the burden of answering every single nuanced, detailed email. I mean... So I love what you're doing in Discord. Thank you very much. I I think Discord for me, or and the very first Discord meeting was such an eye-opener, or also talking to you the very first time when we realized that we both 
like or i'm not sure if you still like it by but used to like ska music and i still love it oh yeah <laughs> you know stuff like that or like with jet like that he plays dungeons and dragons as well and yeah reactor fiend he has like this huge this man cave with all of those science fiction uh figurines and star wars oh, stuff nice. and i'm such a nerd when it comes down to fantasy <laughs> and star wars i was like so amazed yeah. and andu is all into anime and stuff like that and just seeing that people coming together with because of one interest And then seeing like, yeah. oh, there are so many similarities other than bags. That's so incredible. And that's the best part about this lockdown, that all of this internet stuff has become yeah. so much more developed and so much more common that we can like meet up. Now it is video call. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. I think... Honestly, I feel like that we could probably hang out like once a week and t uh, drink a beer or something. Okay, I drink whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> and that's just amazing that the world has become so much smaller because of this pandemic in a way. We talk like this casually on video. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like you're, we're sitting right next to each yeah. other. I mean, and it's so cool. Like everybody's in the same situation, yeah. right? It's exactly. not. And for your meetups specifically, it's like you have your meetups on Saturdays, right? Yeah. You, or you have been? Yeah. It's like, what's that person going to do? Like, go out to a bar? Like, no, they're all closed. Yeah, exactly. So, like, they're at home anyways. You know, maybe they're talking to their friend on video, but, like, why not join your meetups and uh, hang out? And I, yeah, it is. It's such a blessing and a curse. And I, I will say, too, from the perspective of, like, work, I'm just, I'm so glad people are doing more remote work now. And mm. it's kind of... Exactly. You know, forcing everyone's hand. And I think that's a silver lining here because I think there'll just be, it'll just be easier for people to like travel and work remotely and yeah. still get great work done. And there's enough technology that enables people to do that. And uh, in, a, in a very similar vein to people just meeting up, mm. you know, on Discord video chat like we're doing here, like that's the silver lining to the lockdown yeah. for sure. Definitely. Yep. All yeah. right. That was awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> I could go on for another two hours with you. But, yeah, uh, definitely. Maybe. I think we're we probably... Should, we should well, definitely do that more often. We said that off mic, and we should definitely do this more often and meet yeah. up. For me, it's so incredible, A, to talk to you and other people that have the same interests. I mean, you probably have heard that comment so many times. Yeah. Yo, you're on YouTube. What's your YouTube channel about? Oh, it's about bags. Why the hell bags? <laughs> and now, like, <laughs> meeting up with people that are have similar interests. And let's think about maybe we could do a podcast, a regular podcast. Or maybe we find something else we could talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah. I mean, thanks for having me on again. Definitely. On the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we can certainly, we'll have much more to talk about. Cool. So I'm... Sign me up. Let me know what you got cooking. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, thank you very much, Tom, for joining me on this podcast. And thanks, everyone else, for listening. And don't forget to take a look at Tom's, or rather, Pack Hacker's YouTube channel as well. And, yeah, thank you so much, Tom. And see you next time, I would say. Thanks so much, Bo. And thank you, Patreon members. We'll see you next time. Bye. See ya.